And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with New Age Insider's Chief of Staff, DC Matthews, and the unendorsed Doc Manson. You know, I realized something, Doc Manson, at Doc Manson. What is it? What did you realize, DC Matthews, at DC Matthews NAI? There are no good Thanksgiving songs. Huh. There's not. There's Christmas songs galore. I know this because my students are singing them, which makes me want to throw things at them. Uh, there, there are some Halloween songs. I bet you're googling it. That would that. No, there is one. There's one. I can't remember the name of it. And <coughs> gobble, then, gobble. Uh, Mrs. Manson is going to um, help kill us out. Me. We can call her. She's downstairs. We can call her. And ask her. God, Arlo Gun Three. Oh, are you talking about the restaurant song? Yes. What yes. is that song? Uh, Alice's Restaurant. Yes. Yeah, yes, we listen rest- to that. That's a my, Thanksgiving. My Mrs. Matthews' parents listen to that every Thanksgiving. Correct. But, there you go. But okay, let me rephrase then. Hi out there, neighborhood. Welcome to DDT Wrestling, by the way. There are no good Thanksgiving songs that you're just going to sing on a, you know, you can hum jingle bells, you can hum songs like that. But Alice's Restaurant is not a song that, you know, sticks to the top of your brain, as evidenced by the fact that it took us 30 seconds to remember it. You can have anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. But that's one of those story songs that's like 15 minutes long. Uh, I think, yeah. 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 Well, all right. So there's one Thanksgiving song. And with that, I wish you a happy Thanksgiving out there, neighborhood. It is Thanksgiving weekend. We're recording on a Wednesday. I don't know why I tell you when we're recording. I suppose so you get an idea. <clears throat> Breaking news. <laughs> Brad Maddox has been released. Doc Manson, your thoughts? Uh, That's okay. Because... I don't remember the last time he was in on WWE. So this is, this is the problem with having lost years. Is really... I don't think I've ever seen Brad Maddox... On television, I've heard of him. I've seen pictures of him, but I, I don't think I've ever manager watched. For a while, I—that's news to me. Okay, yeah, he was. Um, geez, when was that? In the wake of Vicky Guerrero, maybe like post her. That's when he. Met, yeah, I think right around that time frame. That probably was slightly before you got back into WWE it was before the launch of the network so that's that's my time he's All right. uh, he's a terrible talent he can't talk he really i didn't think was much in the ring and so having him as a general manager as a talent who really couldn't talk i mean he talks as well as Bo Dallas does so i mean oh now i want Bo Dallas to be GM of Raw oh mm-hmm. man so just throwing that one out there that's the comparison i would make Brad Maddox and Bo Dallas are about on the same page Okay, Sorry. but w- only one of them is a former NXT champion. Uh, true. Brad Maddox uh, probably did not uh, obtain the NXT championship. And only one of them appeared on the Survivor Series pre-show. So we are, what, 72 hours or so, give or take, away, or not away, past Survivor Series. Yes, a sir. pay-per-view has come and went. A Monday Night Raw has come and went. And there has been a whole lot 
of social media buzz, and I have to tell you, almost all of it has been negative. And as the Pope of Positivity, I have my own thoughts, but I turn to you, Doc Manson, the host-slash-co-host of DDT Wrestling, and I ask you, what are your thoughts on the last two WWE pieces of programming that you've seen, Survivor Series and Monday Night Raw? How do you feel? Well... I'm gonna get to that. Okay. But are you paying attention to Twitter right now? Uh, I believe Jonathan Coachman just responded to to somebody who's tweeting at us. Well, that's We're true. We're famous. We are very famous. I've always known that. You and I have been famous for years. Just in response taken- to Pat nine o one o, he's uh he's apparently displeased with uh, old PJ here saying that uh, Coach had a bit of a tirade against critical fans this week. A topic that PJ wanted us to discuss on the show. John the Coachman uh, takes some umbrage with that assessment of the situation. Apparently, yes. Uh, we that... can talk. I mean, we can talk about this now or later. I just, I just. No, saw well, let's talk. Let's talk feed. about it. What I love about this show is that it is stream of consciousness. I, I write down a very skeletal outline of what we want to talk about, and then I go back and forth and jump around depending on where the conversation goes. I honestly was going to start asking if you preferred light meat or dark meat, but we'll get to that. So PJ at Pat underscore nine zero one zero asked us to discuss Jonathan Coachman's tirade against critical fans, and apparently Coach must have said something on SportsCenter last night. I don't pay for cable, so I don't watch ESPN. And I don't think Doc Manson would know ESPN if it bit him. So, But apparently the coach said something about how fans are not allowed to criticize or shouldn't criticize unless they've ever taken a bump. And we can talk about whether or not that's a reasonable thing. And so Pat asked us to talk about the tirade, or PJ, whatever he's going by there. Um, And then Coach responded, and I'll quote the Twitter for you, LOL, that's what you consider a tirade? Please, if you want to criticize, at least get it right. Not even close. So, again, I didn't hear the original content. I'm guessing Doc didn't hear the original content. We can only go with what's happening on Twitter. People are, or at least one person, is jumping to Coach's defense here. But this goes along with what I was saying before, is there's been a whole lot of criticism about WWE in the last 48 to 72 hours. People are very unhappy with how Survivor Mm. Series turned out. They're very unhappy with Monday Night Raw turned out. I'm going to have what, if you follow along with DC Matthews or DDT Wrestling, you're going to have an idea of where I stand on this. So that's why I asked you, do you think fans are right to be so critical here? Have you been critical in your own head about... (laughs) The world of wrestling no, I've, I've, entertainment. I, I've of course never been critical of the product. I I don't watch enough of the product to to be knowledgeable or to even care about wrestling. So I'm really not sure why I host a podcast. How long uh, are we going to keep? It. How long are we going to keep focusing on this? Well, I mean, I think it's obvious that since that's true, um, I couldn't possibly have a valid opinion or be critical. So therefore, no, I have never been critical of wrestling. Never once uh, in my life. So. So I they're think just proofs in the pudding. They're just a hundred percent right every single time. No, Shh. okay. No, honestly, here for a second, um, just for a second of honesty. Then I'll go right back to lying through my teeth. But for this moment of honesty, I will say that we kind of touched on this last week, right? I was saying something about how I think when we are critical, we do so out of a place of. You know, trying to, to to fantasy book almost. We're we're going through the motions, what we might have liked to have seen. But 
even when I'm upset, even when I sound like I'm angry or if I'm ranting about something, um, you have to understand it's just from a desire uh, to want things to go differently because I have my own ideas. And again, I understand that my ideas are not going to be creative's ideas and they're never necessarily going to match. The only reason why I get critical or I get upset or I get heated talking about this stuff is because I do care. Because, you know, I, 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 I see what they're presenting there, and I like looking at all the possibilities, and I have an opinion because I'm invested in the product. So even when I have hate, and so this kind of applies to the online fans as well, when they have hate towards the product, um, you know, I know people get tired of hearing it, get tired of seeing that constant negativity, but you have to remember... People that are speaking out negatively only do so because at some level they care very deeply about this product. So, I mean, if anything, the people who are most negative, you know, strangely, are also your biggest, most invested fans. So, I mean, you can't have it both ways. You have to take the negativity. I, the online is, is maybe a bit of a an issue because it gives people maybe too big of a platform to have their negativity heard, but at the same time, these are vocal fans. These are people who care. If they didn't care, they wouldn't tweet about it. They just would stop talking, right? I agree. So here's the thing, and and they've talked about this on NAI Pod and other podcasts, I'm sure. People, the people on Twitter, we all want to like WWE. Oh, hey, Obviously, correction. I like WWE. Even no, when I complain, I'm not saying that you I don't like, like it. I'm, but I'm saying on we want to like it, and many of us do. But yeah. we want to like WWE. This is the product we've grown up with for the last 22 years. Wrestling and World Wrestling Federation slash Entertainment has been a part of my life in some form or fashion. So I want to like WWE. And in many cases, I think you're right. We do like WWE. And I think that's the problem is because we have such a history with it. When it doesn't go the way we like or when they we feel like they're being lazy or they're doing all of these things, people take issue with it. My problem is when people only talk about how stupid it is and they don't provide any other rationale or alternative or anything like that. And I'm not asking you the neighborhood or anyone out there to become a booker for World Wrestling Entertainment. But what I'd like you to do is if you don't like the fact that Sheamus is the champion, fine. But give me some reasons why you don't like, you don't think that he makes a good champion. Right. Let's and have a discussion about exactly, it. Right? Exactly. Exactly. We have, there's plenty of times on Twitter I have amazing discussions with lots of members of the neighborhood, Doc Manson included, where we talk about these things. It's the people who just say, well, it's terrible. And it's, there's nothing that's going to change my mind. It's just terrible. And that's the way it is. Pooey. Well, we're not going to get anywhere having that. You have to have an open mind to the possibility that there might be something there that's worth salvaging. And my column that I wrote, and you always like when I promote my work, mm -hmm. the column that I wrote yesterday is I went through Monday Night Raw a little bit at a time and tried to figure out, all right, what are people's problems with the different parts and what could we find there that's positive? And that's the Pope of Positivity talking. I'm always going to look for the silver lining. So I invite you to check that out if you haven't already. They're Doc and Neighborhood at large. But I think that's the problem I have, is when people are just 
being critical and it's, well, I'm done watching this. This is so stupid. And then they keep saying it night after night and week after week. And eventually I get to the point and I got a little heel DC on people where I just said, okay, well then stop watching. Hey, and you know what? That's what I did last year leading up to WrestleMania. Remember after Fastlane? I canceled my WWE Network subscription, and I didn't subscribe again until after we started this podcast. Yes. I was off the grid with WWE for a good five months or so. Uh, I put my money where my mouth was. I was tired of some of the decisions they were making, and I did stop watching can um, you do, temporarily. Can you do me a favor? Yeah. Look at Twitter right now. What's going on over there? Just look at... Coach Ben's Not only all... did he... Res- no, and uh, he he responded directly to us. Somebody famous actually talked to me. I'm going to put it in my profile and tell everyone about it. I'm I'm retweeted by experts and touted by touts, and I'm going to put all my work in a folder because because I'm just so important. I'm just going to put everything in a folder that shows how great I am. Sorry. Hey, was... it's pretty cool, man. Jonathan Coachman. He may be a you know. I'm going to say he's a nobody, but. I have to qualify that statement. Jonathan, Coachman, I don't think you're ever actually going to listen to this, but if you do, I, I don't really mean you're nobody. Obviously, you're somebody. You're way more of a somebody than I ever will be. But in terms of WWE, you're no longer with the company. You had a great storied career, but currently, yeah, you're at ESPN, and you're that bridge that's kind of brought us into the product. But, uh, brought, I'm sorry, brought the modern-day product back onto, yeah, you know, sports, we know what you mean. television. We know what you but, mean. But, I mean, why is his opinion all of a sudden really important here. Him saying, if you haven't taken a bump, you can't be critical. Uh, I mean, what does that even mean? If I have a brain, I can be critical. If I can dislike something, if I can like something. Because being critical doesn't only apply to the things that you dislike, right? You can think critically about something that you also enjoy or something that you approve of, right? You can have that sort of positive analysis as well. I I don't see where the physicality necessarily comes into it. But again, I didn't hear his, his... quote-unquote tirade. No. So maybe, maybe it was something about the that. physicality and performances. I, having not heard it, I guess I, I can't really and speak again, to that. I, I'm guessing, and again, neither of us have heard it, so somebody can fill us in. They can send us an we email. We should probably stop talking about something that we don't actually know about. So we got no emails. This, I apologize. We got no emails this week, and I'm mad about it. But um, I think he's probably going to those people that... And he said, he t- wrote us to us in a tweet, and that's a whole the whole point discuss, debate, enjoy, and do it all over again next week. That's what this podcast is. We Correct. discuss, we debate, we enjoy most of the mm-hmm. time. Even when and, we're being critical. And when I'm being critical, I am enjoying the product. Yes, I agree with you. If and I didn't then, enjoy I'm even being critical, I wouldn't be doing this podcast, right? Because no. I enjoy doing this podcast, getting my opinions out there, having that debate, having that discussion with the community. Um, so he's right. So I also don't, but then I also don't understand why he tries to shut people down who are trying to be critical. But again, I guess maybe we could be missing important context from what he actually said. And again, I'm totally assuming here, but I'm assuming he's talking about those same people that I'm talking about who are just talking about, it sucks, it sucks, it sucks, it sucks, it sucks, it sucks, it sucks. And then there's no discussion. There's no debate there. It's just, this is terrible. I'm going to go watch, you know, I'm just going to wait for Lucha Underground. If you like Lucha Underground, 
Go for it. I fully encourage you to stop watching WWE and go watch Lucha Underground. Find go be the rest- happy. Find, thank you. Find the wrestling that you enjoy and go seek it out and enjoy it. They just uploaded a whole bunch of NWA from the 80s on WWE Network. Go watch some of the old stuff if that's what you like. I've debated that. In my moments of weakness when this product has disappointed me, I've debated the merits of I'm just going to go back and watch all of the pay-per-views and that's it. That's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to live in the past, and that's fine. So I think that's where he was going. I just think it, Jonathan Coachman approves of DDT wrestling. I think we can say that he's now Absolutely. along. Uh, yeah. Along with the pretzel thins from whatever the company was that you got the pretzel thins from. Townhouse. Over, Townhouse and Jonathan Coachman approve and sponsor DDT wrestling. All right. We got off on a little bit of a tangent there, and that's just fine. That's what this podcast is about. So... What do you think of Survivor Series as a whole? Where's you know we we record midweek, so we've seen the pay per view and Raw. What are your just overall thoughts? If you have something on the top of your head, there, Doc. Uh, I think they were. I, I thought Survivor Series in particular was a good show. Um, we got some pretty good matches out of the tournament. I thought all those matches were good. Um, so I mean. Del Rio versus Roman Reigns, I thought was an enjoyable match. Uh, I probably enjoyed Dean Ambrose versus Kevin Owens a bit more than that, but that was, I thought, a really good match as well. Excellent match. And then we got the anticipation throughout the rest of the night of Dean Ambrose going up against Roman Reigns. And I think we all maybe were expecting something more than what happened. Maybe we're hoping for that long talked about heel turn that everybody on the uh, internet seems to be raging about. But you know what? We called it probably last week on the show, and we said Sheamus was probably walking out of there with the World Heavyweight Championship, right? I mean, and are, am I perfectly happy with where we are? No. As I've been saying on a weekly basis, Sheamus doesn't seem like an appropriate champion. And I think I say that because he hasn't had any heat on him other than he looks stupid, which is what people like to chant at him, right? So outside of that physical appearance thing, he has no real heat. But I don't really think that's necessarily the talent's fault. They haven't been including him in main event storylines. As we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, they la- they they were lacking a main event scene. That became especially obvious once Seth Rollins hurt himself. So I, I don't doubt that Sheamus can be effective in this role. Moving forward, he's going to be put into a program where ideally that heat is now going to build. He's going to be able to generate that. So, I mean, moving forward... I think the potential is there for, uh, you know, things to be okay. And again, I think I tweeted this on Monday night. Maybe we didn't end up where everybody wanted to end up. But you know what? We got renewed pushes for, for Sheamus, Rusev, and uh, Bad News Barrett. I mean, yeah, these aren't guys last week who I was clamoring for to come back and be at the top of the mountain. But you know what? I'll take it. All those guys are talented, and I want to see what they can do. Going off of that, when we were in the middle of the love rhombus... When it was Rusev and Lana and Ziggler and Summer Rae, we were dying for Rusev to get back to that guy who comes out in a tank to wrestle John Cena. When King Barrett was fighting our truth over who was going to actually be the king, we were really hoping for, whether it was Bad News Barrett or Wade Barrett, that kind of approaching the upper echelon guy to come back and stop wasting his time with a stupid robe and a stupid scepter. We got both of those things. Both of those things that we wanted, we got. 
Now, maybe Sheamus, like you said, is he my ideal WWE champion? No. But when Survivor Series ended and Sheamus is holding the title with his foot on Roman Reigns' body, posing with Triple H, I was in. I was like, okay, this can work for a while. Is he a transitional champion? Of course he is. Do we need transitional champions in wrestling? Yes. So I had no problem with it. I think the problem that a lot of people had and the problem that I did have with it, and I'm not always going to be positive. I'll express when things didn't work exactly the way I wanted. My problem with it is, like you said, it was obvious. It was obvious. We knew what was going to happen. Roman and Del Rio had a great match, which bothered me even more that Del Rio mailed it in against Kalisto, but that's okay. Uh, you know, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Go for it. I thought that Del Rio's match against Callisto was fine. And even they had a match, a fatal four-way at some point. I don't remember if it was Raw or SmackDown. But he had a good performance in that match, too. Uh, he has this laid-back sort of character that I'm just better than you. And I kind of think that he's he's physically sort of presenting that character in a way that maybe we don't find as engaging. But... I think his actual performance in the ring was has been fine. Okay. I think. And, and that's part of the discussion and the debate. I What I noticed, and maybe this was my perception based on my biases and all of that, but I noticed that he seemed to try a whole lot harder versus Roman Reigns than he did versus Kalisto. And maybe, giving him the benefit of the doubt, you look at Kalisto, you look at Roman Reigns, so you're going to have to try harder to beat a guy the size of Roman Reigns when, versus the guy the size of Kalisto. So maybe that was it. But he did. I'll give credit where credit is due. Del Rio versus Reigns, good match. Ambrose versus Owens, great match. The fact that we might get to see that again, I don't know if Ambrose is in the Intercontinental title picture at all or not, but if that's the case, they had an excellent match. I would love to see them get a chance to do some more work together because it was it was fun. And enjoy it. And hey, uh, moving forward, I mean, Roman Reigns match versus Dean Ambrose, that was a heck of a slobber knocker, wasn't it? They were going at each other. I thought. I I thought that was a very physical sort of bout between the two of them. I think uh, it was physical and it was good, and then it ended really quickly. And I'm not sure if I'm not sure if that was okay. Let's give you you know, let's give you a little taste of what this feud could potentially be, and then let's. The end you know, was sudden, if that's what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think they brought this up on the other podcast. You looked at the clock. You were like, oh, Roman Reigns won. It's 10.35. Uh-huh. Okay, something else is going to happen. And that goes back to the point I was making about obvious things. So Triple H comes out, and I'm like, all right. So Ambrose obviously isn't going to turn heel here. Maybe he's never going to turn heel, but that's okay. Um Reigns is not going to shake his hand and become an authority person at this point. So everyone was kind of like, all right, where's Seamus? Where's Seamus? Where's Seamus? And I think the best part is Reigns kicked out after that first brogue kick. Because sure. that, that immediately I was like, oh my God, Seamus is going to fail. <clears throat> you know, Reigns is going to beat him. And now, and that would have been a nice little curveball there is... Sheamus goes to cash in, which we both talked about on last week's show. Sheamus goes to cash in, but then Reigns beats him. So now Triple H has nothing to do because the, the the one ace up his sleeve didn't pan out. But still, that was my issue was that it seemed to be very 
okay, we see exactly where this is going. And wrestling fans like a bit of mystery. We like a little mm-hmm. bit of surprise. We want to know. We want to <clears throat> not it's always. Been my, it's been my issue since <coughs> Rollins was injured. We knew the tournament was going to end up with Roman Reigns in the final. And it seemed pretty sure mm-hmm. that we were going to see Sheamus involved in some way. Yep. And I'm actually, that's the thing that bothers me the most right now, is I'm worried that the next bit of television between now and WrestleMania is all the Roman Reigns redemption show. Well, and, and you mentioned this, we talked about this a little bit on Twitter, transitioning into Monday Night Raw. Roman Reigns comes out and says he wants his rematch, and Triple H says, I'll give it to you whenever I'm damn well ready to give it to you. So in three weeks, I'll give it to you. Right. And and there's a piece of logic there that says, why wouldn't you say, no, you're going to wrestle Heath Slater tonight. But literally, if I rank all of my talents in terms of their contendership, you're now at the bottom and you have to wrestle every single person to work your way back up. Correct. I mean, you know, the day after WrestleMania, was it WrestleMania? I think it was. They suspended... Brock Lesnar, he never got his rematch right away because, I mean, obviously he went ballistic and he was did. tearing apart the ring and beating up refs. But, I mean, there's no reason why Triple H, being the heel authority figure, couldn't come out and say, Roman Reigns, I don't like your face, so you are suspended for the next six months. Oh, Roman Reigns, you speared me. You physically attacked the chief operating officer of WWE. Sure. You're suspended. Goodbye. Security escorts him out of the ring... And again, do they have enough main event talent to justify that particular piece of storytelling? No. But you would you would think they would at least try to go that route. Mm. In, but instead it's, you know, and now I loved seeing Rusev. That was one of my favorite parts with him coming back because I didn't know that he was going to come back. There's that surprise element. I figured he'd be out until the Rumble. Yeah, and all of a sudden, there he is. And I'm like, how could he still be... He- oh, okay, I guess he's healthy again. And then there's Barrett, and I love this whole... Whether it's a world elite thing or whatever, I like the, the new look of the authority, if that's what this is. But I, I'm i looking ahead, and I'm like, all right, this is this looks like we're heading into... Reigns is going to have to beat Rusev and Barrett either in two matches at TLC or leading up to TLC, or it's going to be a handicap match to open TLC, and the only way Reigns gets to wrestle Sheamus for that title is if he beats them. And again, it's the Roman Reigns redemption show. I feel like we're going to watch it. I would like them to insert somebody else into that main event title scene to at least add some intrigue into it. I I honestly think that's the big crime that they're on the verge of committing right now, is... This being all about Roman Reigns winning that title. And I don't know for sure that it happens at WrestleMania. Maybe it happens at Royal Rumble or something like that. But it just seems like that is the story from now moving forward. We're just turning our wheels until Roman Reigns finally gets this championship. And that's not good television. I'm sorry. Like, the the individual writing that they do, the individual scenes that they perform, all that could be perfectly serviceable. But... Without having someone else in there, without a little bit of intrigue, a little bit of mystery about how this thing could actually go, I I, I don't know. I, I just think that's that's so dull. I'm looking for a dynamic story with a lot of different players, uh, outcomes that could go any which way. I don't feel like we have that right now mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. And, and all they would need to do for me is, like I said, insert one or two other people. And it's probably not going to be Dean Ambrose, which is fine. But maybe it's... I'm trying to even think of who it could be. Maybe it's Brock Lesnar. 
all of a sudden, Santa Heyman comes out in a Santa suit and announces that Brock Lesnar's coming back for that title that he's never technically lost. So now you've got Lesnar, Sheamus, Reigns. Mm -hmm. And now the storytelling is different because, yeah, we could be going down this Roman Reigns train, but at the same time, Brock Lesnar can win that title anytime he wants and hold on to it for as long as he wants. And in a time when there's so many different injuries, you might rely on Brock Lesnar a little bit there to carry that. So adding Brock Lesnar adds a little bit of a wrinkle. As much as people online are going to hate to admit it, and I'm sorry, neighborhood, John Cena adds a little bit of a wrinkle because he can always be a main event guy and he can win that championship anytime he wants. So now you start to add some players. And no, it's not Kevin Owens. And no, it's not Dean Ambrose. But at least there's some sort of I, you know, some sort of doubt in your head that this isn't going to wind up with actual confetti for Roman Reigns. Yep, absolutely. But having said that, I still enjoyed a good portion of the show. Roman Reigns had two very good matches. His promo with uh, Triple H was fine at the beginning of the show. I do think we're going to see Roman Reigns and Triple H at some point. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure when. You know, People keep saying WrestleMania, and I think that goes back to what we were talking about. Please don't drag this story out for four more months. Please don't make that. You know, but I mean, it seems like that's exactly what they're going to do, right? Seems like it. And again, if we're at least if we're going down the the predictable route, we do. If, you know, because people on Twitter have been criticizing this as a complete redo of the Daniel Bryan storyline. And if we're going to follow that, Royal Rumble opens with Roman Reigns versus Triple H. And the only way Roman Reigns can enter the Rumble is to beat Triple H. So then if he beats Triple H and then goes on to win the Rumble, at least then that puts that part of it, ideally, to bed. And honestly, I would even say that that assessment of the situation is disingenuous. I'm sorry, but it's a very different storyline. With Daniel Bryan, they said he was a B-plus player, he just didn't have the look, he was too small, he was never going to be the guy, and we're going to hold you back because of that. In this instance, they came out and said, Oh man, you could totally be the guy now that Seth Rollins is out of the way. All right, Roman, we want you. And Roman Reigns said, Nah, I don't want to do it that way. I'm going to make it hard on myself. That's actually a very different storyline, uh, in my opinion. No, I, I agree with you. I think that you know it, it has Triple H as the authority figure, so people tie into that. And it's an underdog story. And again, I reference this in my column, available at NewAgeInsiders.com. It's an underdog story. Daniel Bryan was not the first underdog story we were ever told. Bret the Hitman Hart was an underdog. You know, Eddie Guerrero, for a while there, was an underdog. You could make the case that Stone Cold Steve Austin fighting the entire corporation was, in his own way, an underdog. This is a traditional wrestling trope it just so happens that like you you said it follows a different pattern because it's you're the guy we could build around you've just spurned us so now we're going to make you pay so I'm okay with the main event I'm very interested to see it play out am I super excited for Reigns and Sheamus in a TLC match no do I think Roman Reigns can have a definitive another definitive match I loved him in Hell in a Cell so if it's another gimmick match where he can you know drum with a chair or something I'm happy with it but we'll see how it plays out I'm open to new ideas and I for one am glad to see Rusev and Barrett doing something meaningful 
the other big story coming out of Survivor Series was Undertaker Kane versus the Wyatt family. Uh, it wasn't Braun Stroganoff and Bray Wyatt, as many people were led to believe. It was Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper. Doc, what'd you think of that match and how the Wyatts uh, go on moving forward? I thought it was a good, strong match. I thought everybody performed really well. Undertaker got to shine on his anniversary, and I can't believe anybody's really surprised that that happened. Yeah, you'd like to think that they'd let Bray Wyatt get a big win, because everybody says, all he does is lose, all he does is lose. And, you know, Undertaker didn't need that win. But in terms of the fact that this is a long-storied career of a guy who's been here for legit 25 years to the day... You can't really be that upset that he came out winning that match, right? There's there's a certain sort of circular poetic justice to him uh, winning that match on that particular date. So, yeah, I mean, you can be upset that they're not, again, committing to Bray Wyatt and this entire thing with the Wyatt family subsuming the powers of Undertaker and Kane seems to have just been for naught, but... You know, whatever. We got a few weeks of interesting uh, television out of it. I like the Wrestle Silly stuff that they've been doing. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, would I like to see Bray Wyatt win and actually establish himself as a dominant heel force? Absolutely. But you know what? Status quo. It's not like they really did anything out of character here. If anything, the worst crime is maybe we expected it too much. I don't know. Interesting point. And. Whether or not you can call Bray Wyatt a dominant heel force is something up for debate, and I would probably argue that you can't. But he is a major heel force. You know, if you look at the heels before, even before this, if you looked at the heels in World Wrestling Entertainment, you had a bunch of lower card guys like Sheamus and Barrett, and you had the Wyatts. The Wyatts were the heel stable going into Survivor Series, and maybe that's changed, but they're there. You know, Bray Wyatt has not yet won the big one. He has not yet established himself, but he is, I would say, a major player in WWE. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think a lot of the... A big criticism that I've seen online was that that match seemed awfully one-sided. And again, this is The Undertaker's 25th anniversary this is the reuniting of The Undertaker and Kane, the biggest, baddest tag team slash brother combination. They're gonna run roughshod over just about everybody. So I wasn't too upset about that. My question to you there, Doc, I have two questions. The first one is, because he won on his 25th anniversary, do you think this increases or decreases the chance that he loses at WrestleMania, presuming he wrestles and that's his last match. I mean... He he probably loses. I mean, I can't say that for sure, but it seems like everybody else in the recent past who has retired at WrestleMania did so while putting over someone else. Mm-hmm. That's the so, old school mentality. You go out on your back. Right. So, I mean, I kind of think that's the more likely scenario. But at the same time, he did have such a storied career with his streak at WrestleMania. I could see him winning at WrestleMania. That would also have some sort of, uh, you know, there's there's some reasoning there. There's some logic mm-hmm. there to that. I don't know. It could go either way. I don't really think it matters, to be honest. Uh, he's going to put on probably a hell of a match on a, a great big stage, and we're all going to say, there goes the greatest professional wrestler in the history of the WWE. 
I mean, no matter what happens, no matter what the outcome is. All right, my second question, and actually now I have multiple questions, but we'll stick with the sec. No, I'll ask this new one is number two. Uh, Do you think this could be a situation where The Undertaker gets inducted into the Hall of Fame before technically retiring? It doesn't happen often. I think maybe Ric Flair's the only one that's ever actually done that is he retired the night before Shawn Michaels, or he, he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, excuse me, the night before Shawn Michaels retired him. Could we see that happen this year with Taker? No reason why not. Taker is going in, period. And I forgive me if we've had this discussion before. How would you like to see The Undertaker inducted into the Hall of Fame? Would you like him to remain in character? Would you like to see Mark Calloway take his time to shine? Who would you like to induct him? How would you like to see that go? I imagine we'll see both Mark Calloway and The Undertaker. The Undertaker will probably be the one who comes out, and then Mark will get his chance to say what he needs to say. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's uh, the biggest mega fans are the ones who get those tickets to go see that show live. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, this is a guy who's well-known for staying in character, not being able to celebrate his first title win the way that most people do, uh, you know, in front of the live audience. The, the guys do. You know what I mean? I, kayfabe is a thing of the past to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, g- give, him, give him his moment. That's and I think, I think that what you just said is the main reason why people don't want him to do it is because he is the last of the kayfabe. Yeah. He is the last one. So people are hoping that he keeps it. But at the same time, I have a sneaking suspicion that Mark Calloway is very similar to a big evil slash American badass version of The Undertaker. I don't think, you know, we might get some heartfelt pieces, which we wouldn't necessarily get from any version of The Undertaker, but I don't think we're going to all of a sudden see a very different guy get up there and get on the mic. I think he's going to talk succinctly. He's going to probably crack a couple of jokes, which I think people are going to like because he's never really had the chance to show a sense of humor. Um, He'll crack a couple jokes. He'll speak quickly, he'll thank the right people, he'll say the right things, and then he'll move on. And I, again, I don't have a problem with that. I'd very much like this to be like the Warriors was last year, the year before. Uh, He, last year, where Mark Calloway gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, and then whether it's at WrestleMania or the night after, The Undertaker says goodbye. You know, The Undertaker shouldn't say... Hopefully not the same way that Warrior said goodbye. No, no. But The Undertaker shouldn't say goodbye in a tuxedo on a stage. The Undertaker needs to say goodbye in a ring or on the ramp doing one more arm raise with his back to the crowd. That's how The Undertaker says goodbye. He does it with the fans. Um, We got a request. It wasn't an email, but we did get a request from Flash Flash Flanagan. Uh, tweeting from at Flashcast Show. I believe he has his own podcast, which, knowing Flash, is going to be something worth checking out. Uh, Very briefly, favorite Undertaker moments, since it is the 25th anniversary, and we've probably talked about this before, but a a favorite Undertaker moment um, that you can share with us before we move on. I mean... The one is him getting put in the casket, the match against Yokozuna, and going up into the... Rumble 94. But, I mean, so past that, uh, I'll go with... I'll go with... uh, Laying Stephanie McMahon out... 
crucifixion style on a cool. giant cross in the middle of the ring holding her hostage as part of the ministry. I thought that was, uh, you know, mm-hmm. an effective, fun, stupid moment. And I'll go ahead and say, and this is a this is an unpopular opinion for some. Sorry, Bill Neville. I loved the biker taker. I thought, what a great way to change that character after 10, or 10 plus years to totally change the character. Keep the name, keep a lot of the personality, but totally change the character into something else because a supernatural character can only get you so far. I loved the short hair. I loved the... I didn't love the Limp Biscuit song, but I loved the entrance. I, I got a big kick out of that being the big dog in his yard... I liked that a lot from that guy. And, you know, the latter match I think he had with Jeff Hardy, where after beating him, he kind of gave him the little fist bump of respect. And that went a long way into making Jeff Hardy a credible main event guy. Uh, Ric Flair, how about another WrestleMania moment? Talking about, you know, bloodying Ric Flair up or whatever that was. I got a big kick out of that part of his character. I love the dead man and all of that. I thought his entrance on Sunday was amazing. Mm-hmm. That was the WrestleMania entrance he didn't get because they did it outside in Pacific Standard Time, so it was still light out. That was one of his better entrances ever, I would say. Um, but I really dug Big Evil. I thought it was a great way. You don't see that from a lot of guys. Guys can't reinvent themselves 10 plus years Afterwards, If John Cena came out and tried to be anything other than what he is right now, if he tried to go back to the Doctor of Thugonomics, it would never work. But, I mean, he did reinvent himself, right? Because his current character is pretty different than the Doctor of Thugonomics. Yes, but he reinvented himself two or three years into his run. Okay. Undertaker was, was the dead man from 91, and he evolved, which I think is also credit to him. He evolved over time. He didn't just change the color of his shirt. He went from the gray one to the purple one. He had the mask. Then he went into the um, fighting with Kane. Then he went into the corporate ministry where he's, you know, keeping Stephanie McMahon hostage. He kept changing with the times. You don't see that a lot. And I think that's a big part of his longevity. So I was happy that Taker got his moment. I do think he's going to lose at WrestleMania. Where I start to hesitate is who he's going to face. A lot Mm. of things on Twitter are saying it's going to be John Cena. I don't know if I believe it. I think there's a story there, but I yeah. don't know if I believe it. I don't think it's going to be Sting. I know there are reports that Sting is definitely not wrestling. I think we knew that after Night of Champions that Sting is definitely not wrestling. So Yeah, we'll see about that. I'm not sure who his opponent might be, but I do think whoever it is, for the most part, he he might lose. And, you know, maybe it's Kevin Owens. Maybe that's how Kevin Owens gets, you know... Uh, but that's just spitballing. Keep wishing. I'm just hoping. Just hoping. All right. Uh, my The original second question, which is now turned into my third question, where does Bray Wyatt go from here? He and Luke Harper beat the Dudley boys, who seem to just be the jobber tag team now. The Matadors are gone, so now it's the Dudley boys. They're the jobber tag team. Um, so where do you think Bray Wyatt and his family goes from here there, Doc? Uh, no idea. It'll be completely random, and it doesn't matter. I hope that's not the case. I I fear that it is because he's running out of people to wrestle. You know, he's already done Roman Reigns. He did Taker. Uh, he's done Dean Ambrose. Cesaro's gone now. He's already done Ryback. He's just beat the Dudley Boys. Doesn't make any sense to have him go up against Alberto Del Rio. 
No, not unless we see them become a different, you know, not unless we see them use the same logic. Of I mean, in all fairness, to- I think we continue seeing him against Kane and Undertaker, right? I maybe TLC is a uh, is not a sort of pay per view where you start a feud. Typically, that's true. Well, and what what I was wondering is, you know, Bray and Luke two tag team matches in a row, then they beat the Dudley Boys, a very credible tag team. You don't do that unless you want them to be taken seriously as a tag team. So in my head, I'm like, are we going to see them in the New Day, Usos, Lucha Dragons match? Is Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper going to challenge for the WWE tag team titles? I mean, the tag team titles would have to go off of the New Day. But, I mean, you transfer those over to the Usos, and I could easily see that being a possibility. Well, and if it's a fatal four-way match where, you know, it's a fatal four-way, whether it's a, a ladder match or some other sort of gimmick match because it's TLC where all there's gimmicks everywhere, I could see them. I, I don't, you know, Bray Wyatt does isn't the kind of character where holding a championship makes a lot of sense. In many ways, very similar to The Undertaker. What does Bray Wyatt want a title for? He doesn't. He's going after people. Would I love to see the Wyatt family feud with New Day because it would be amazing and hilarious all at the same time? Yes, yeah, I would. Yeah, I about that. But I, I, you know, I don't know why he would want a title. You would need to change his character, which, after all of what we've seen, might not be the worst idea to change his character a little bit. Um, so I'm not sure. I also wonder, you know, they won on Raw, but Luke Harper lost to Kane and The Undertaker. And then at the beginning of that tag team match, Luke Harper was getting beat up by the Dudleys, and Bray Wyatt had to like grab him by the face and like pull him down and start yelling at him or something, which made me think, and again, maybe that's the fantasy booking conspiracy theory part of my brain, I began to wonder, are we going to see some dissension between Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper? Is there going to be Didn't some... Didn't we already see that less than a year ago? Was there dissension there, or was it just that he let he let his he let his sons free for some reason that defies description? And yeah, I, I guess I don't really know, but I and mean, again, I'm I'm probably just, it is a very similar outcome, anyways. I'm probably t- I'm probably taking a very small moment that meant nothing and blowing it up into this whole big potential thing. Yeah, I think you are. I that that wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> But it is something that I wonder, because that would be somewhere for Bray Wyatt to go, is starting to feud with Luke Harper, whether it's over control of the family or what. But again, I'm at a loss, and I'll admit it. Laz has been on me. He's been very negative about Bray Wyatt and all of that. I'm not going to be that negative, but I will say, I don't know where you go from here unless you're going to start running roughshod over people and then maybe win the Rumble. And again, I don't know why you'd want to do that. But again, running roughshod over people, that made more sense right after they took out Undertaker and Kane and they were giving them that big push. Like, that was the moment to make them a force to be reckoned with. Now, at this stage of the story, I don't know that that follows based off of the performances that we've seen, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, I would see it as, you know, their rage at having failed... Mul- Bray's rage at having failed multiple times to defeat The Undertaker, boils over, and they're just taking out people left and right. Faces, heels, anybody they gets in their way, they just come out, you know, squash people. I would have had them start with Cesaro. There's the storyline reason why Cesaro's on the shelf, because he got taken out by Bray Wyatt. Um, you know, something like that. But again, I don't know. I don't know where you go with Bray Wyatt. They've kind of booked themselves into a corner here. 
with that. So we'll see where things go. I'm curious. I'm not optimistic, but I don't think you are either. Yeah. But but I'm curious to see where things go from here. Uh, so let's see. What else happened on Survivor Series? We had a, a, a great five versus five match. Xavier Woods had some nice hair. I guess. Um, I mean, talking about Monday Night Raw for a second, uh, I know I saw you giving your usual uh, New Day love. And, you know, I think I've on this podcast I've sort of come around on New Day. Uh, realizing my major problem with them was that they were being too entertaining yeah. to be heels. But I will say this week, their performance on Raw, I thought was so irritating, I didn't want to engage with them. I I became very close to changing the channel for five minutes. Um, well, so, oh, so here's my question. Because they're just doing this for five minutes long! They're yelling and talking in the most annoying way possible. They're top of their lungs and just fingers in the ears. And yeah, that's kind of funny for half a second, but they just did it for so long that it became incredibly grating to my senses, and I just wanted to turn it off. Well, um, so, so First time I've had that problem. But So here's my question. If your original problem with New Day was that they were too entertaining so they didn't make good heels, is the fact now that they did become irritating and you didn't want to see them anymore, does that therefore make them better heels to you? Or have they, um, gone, have they gone completely to the other side of now they're, they're making The performance wanna... was not enjoyable. Uh, I, I, I can't say whether that's an, being an effective heel or not, but, I mean, you know, people frequently want to talk about how, you know, the Miz makes you want to change a channel or something. I don't agree with that. But this legitimately made me want to change the channel. I just I could not listen to them. It, the only part irritating. of it, I I liked it. I didn't, you know, I liked it a lot. I liked it but, at first, but it just it went on too long. Well, and part of me wonders if that's their fault. You know, you sometimes have moments where a, a wrestler is obviously trying is has obviously waiting to get interrupted and They're has vamping, to kind of yeah. ad lib or vamp, as you said, um, to wait for the Lucha Dragons to come out. Maybe that was the case. Uh, the only reason I wanted to change the channel was that Kofi Kingston's hair was very inappropriate. <laughs> I was I was very uncomfortable with, it would be. with that amount of horn. Mm. Yeah, it was awkward. Um, having said that, New Day versus Usos versus Lucha Dragons is not a match I'm going to not want to see. I'm excited for that, especially if it's got some sort of ladder or... TLC stipulation with it. I yeah. think that's going to be good. It'll be a good match. I have zero investment in the Usos. Um, Neither do I. And I, zero. I, I have very little investment as, in the Lucha Dragons as a tag team. I like Kalisto a lot, and Sin has gotten better. I haven't noticed him screwing up as often. Um, but at least the match is going to be good, and I'm excited if the match is good. Do I yeah, want the, the Usos? Do I want the Usos to win the tag team titles? No. Are they going to? Yeah. Probably, but I don't want them to. I want the New Day to keep them, or I'd be okay with the Lucha Dragons winning it for a while. They would be a fun team. They would, you know. I mean, if the uh, New Day keeps the tag team belts, what do they do with them? How are they elevating that championship right now? What are they doing that requires them to hold those belts? Nothing. Right. 
Right now, nothing. Right now, the belts are... Uh, you almost don't notice the belts because you're so focused on everything else. Look at the hair, look at the cowboy hat, look at their unicorn stick horses. Now, the- that said, I mean, what are the Usos going to do with those belts? Nothing. They're not going to elevate it at all. They're, they they are just the perennial sort of tag team championship, family-friendly, child-friendly team, right? Uh, they are not really going to do anything with them either, I don't think, but... Uh, they're fresh back, so I, I mean, I guess I see their reasoning. Well, well, and here's here's a thought: the Dudley Boys are, like I said, they're doing nothing. They were on the pre-show of Survivor Series. Now, granted, that was a really entertaining match that I liked a mm-hmm. lot. And then they lost to the Wyatts. They've lost to the New Day a whole bunch of times due to cheating. Um, and now they've lost to the Wyatts. They've kind of run out of heel teams to face, which begs the question, are they going to turn heel? Because if the Usos win the title, they need heel tag teams to feud with. It's not going to be the Ascension. And if they've already beaten New Day, it might not be New Day. Could the Dudleys be angry at the fact that, you know, they're not as successful as they hoped to be they turn heel, and now the Usos have a heel Dudley Boys, and maybe now it's the Dudley Boys, boys' turn to help try to get the Usos over more. Just a thought, but... Yeah, that... I mean, I like that booking. I do. That's a great way to go. But then that begs the question. If you have a new heel sort of at the top of the tag division, where does New Day go? Because you break up New Day, none of them are viable singles competitors. I mean, maybe maybe they could be for a little while following this now. They do have enough heat on them. That's, mm-hmm. There's a potential there. But I think if you break them up as a unit, I, I think their glory fades rapidly. So, I mean, where do they go? What do they do? My question to you is, can they be viable singles competitors without breaking up? Do they need to be a tag team? Could you see the New Day, as a trio, try to win the Intercontinental or the U.S. title? We saw this a little bit with the John Cena thing right at the end. He wrestled Xavier Woods. He wrestled Big E. I assumed he was going to wrestle Kofi Kingston, but that didn't happen. Could you? See, could they try to do this? And and I think one of, you, you brought up an interesting point. One of the problems with New Day is at some point... The comedy runs out. They're doing an amazing job. But at some point, the comedy runs out, and the trombone is over. Or, okay, he's got a new hairstyle. So they're going to. Here's a question New Day breaks up tomorrow. Where are each of those guys in a year? If New Day breaks up tomorrow, where are they in a year? Big E is a. U.S. or I.C. title champion slash contender. Um, Kofi Kingston is a main event and superstars fixture. And Xavier Woods is managing Titus O'Neil. That's where I would say, and that's having thought about it for five seconds, that's where I would guess they would be in a year. I love Xavier Woods. Sounds realistic to me. I don't think he's got a future as a singles wrestler. And he did well against John Cena. He really did. But unless they're going to bring back some sort of lightweight or cruiserweight title, 
I don't see his ceiling being very high as a singles competitor. As a manager, he can be tremendous. We've seen it. You know, there was a long time there where Biggie and Kofi were the only ones wrestling, and Xavier was just stealing the show at ringside. So I think he could continue to do that. Um, I like Kofi a lot, but he's he's you know if he hasn't gotten over yet, he's not going to. Biggie's the star. I think Biggie's the one that still could potentially have a main event run in him. You know, yeah. Although I will say I don't see anything in him in his performances that I think stands out enough as a that translates to a strong singles run. He, the stuff he's doing makes perfect sense. It is and and, and is, is hilarious and funny within the context of the insanity that New Day brings. But when that machine is not up is not around him, is not propping him up, I don't think any of that humor, any of that performance continues to play. So I don't know that Big E has ever shown me any other personality that would lend itself to actually succeeding as a singles competitor. Hmm. Well, I didn't see his NXT run. Yeah, supposedly that was very good. Where but. he, you know, he demanded the five count because he was such a physical force that he could beat you, he could pin you for a count of five. Uh, then he was Dolph Ziggler's muscle for a little bit. And again, this is before me really watching. Then he was the Intercontinental Champion for a while. Uh, so I think he has singles potential, but I always think he's going to be aligned with somebody. He could be Rusev right now. You take yeah, Rusev yeah. and put Big E in, what's different besides the obvious? Well, I mean, the only thing is he's going to lose all his character in that case. Rusev, he's just the muscle in that arrangement. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's the Bulgarian brute, but nothing about Rusev actually matters in that arrangement. And, yeah, I could see um, Big E serving in a similar role in the future. But, again, the character, he could go back to being a silent bodyguard type and... I mean, I think that's exactly where he ends up, as a silent bodyguard type. I think I, you lose all that character that he shows currently. I, I think he is shown in this instance, and you didn't see it with Dolph Ziggler, and I don't know, I'm guessing you didn't see it in NXT. He's shown that he can be funny. He's shown that he can be, you know, he can play the crowd a little bit, and he's shown that he can talk. That's, you know, that's enough for me. Triple H was the DX guy for a while and then all of a sudden he became the game and was able to take that next step. I think Big E could do it. Is he going to do it is a different question, but I think the talent is there. But I I don't know that New Day splits up anytime soon. Do they lose the tag team titles? Maybe. Do they move on to singles titles? I I could think so. I could see them going after a singles title and trying to pull off some sort of freebird rule where they're saying, okay, New Day is the United States champion. One of us will defend the title at any given time. There, There's there's a story there that, that could be entertaining. You're not so, wrong. All right. Um, so we've talked about the tag team division. We've talked about the World Heavyweight Tournament. We've talked a little bit about uh, Taker and Kane. We're at the hour mark, so we need some sort of different sort of discussion. So I'm going to go back to the question I wanted to start out asking you. Uh, are you a light meat fan or a dark meat fan since Thanksgiving is tomorrow? Light meat or dark meat, Doc? 
There's only one correct answer. What is it? Both. <laughs> well, that's Dark. a pretty good answer. Uh, but no, dark meat, period. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I think if you like Give white... Give me a leg. The end. If you like white meat, you're, you really just want whatever the sauce or the topping, you know, whether it's ketchup or mashed potatoes or gravy, that's what you're after. Because uh-huh. white meat has no flavor. Well, I mean, it does, but it's... It's bland. Also, yeah, more so. Certainly more so than dark meat is. So, yeah. yeah. I, I've, I've become... Since I've become a thigh fan, which sounds mm. inappropriate. I'm talking about turkey. and Mrs. Eating. Matthews must be pleased about that. I almost said something that would have gotten me in deep trouble, not because it would have been like rude, but it would have been slightly inappropriate, if highly complimentary. So, <laughs> um, but yeah. Moving dark, on. Dark, dark, meat, dark meat it is. Uh how does and I I don't need you to go into all sorts of personal details now. Uh, how does the Manson family celebrate Thanksgiving? Is it a big giant affair? Is it a more intimate, immediate family affair? Are you jumping between houses? Because I know both you and your lovely bride live relatively close together. How does tomorrow work for the Manson family? Uh, we go to visit my parents, who will live about a half hour, forty five minutes north of where we are. And at my parents' house, uh, we play host to my mother's side of the family, which at one time included her mother, uh, but she passed away within the last couple of years. I have a great uncle who comes. My uh, mother has a sister and her husband and their kids, and now their kids' kids, and friends of the family, so on and so forth. We all told, I think we probably have about 14 to 18 people who come. Wow. Wow. For Thanksgiving, and so yeah, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty big affair. Are you and still actually, sitting? Are you still sitting at the kids' table? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can't fit everybody at a single table, so breaking it up by quote unquote adults and kids really is the only way to go. And and what is the age of the youngest kid in quotes? Well, I mean, at this point, uh, probably like two years old, because like I said, the kids' kids come now. Oh, okay. But, All I right. mean, if you're asking with our generation, uh, I think it's me. So, th- you know, uh, early 30s. Yeah. Well, that's a, are, are, you, are you jumping to Mrs. Manson's house, or is it just... No, we just go to my parents' house. And I know that's a point of contention, and, you know, so bad, bad and good, and, you know. But the bottom line is, like I said, there are family members that, that come... Uh, to my parents' house, whom are elderly at this point, and there's a lot of people there, and I don't know that we're going to continue getting together like this for much longer, mm-hmm. particularly, you know, those older yep. generation folks. Used- and when we visit Mrs. Manson, uh, us parents, her folks, it's literally just the four of us. There's nobody else Fair enough. that comes. And, we, and we've tried inviting them, you know, over to our place, but they don't want to travel. So it's a it's, it's a busy travel day, out. and I know that because yeah. I'm going to be up at five ish in the morning driving to Maine tomorrow. Grizzly Matthews will be making his return as I head to Maine for Mrs. Matthews' family. Although in this instance, because uh, my wife and I are actually very lucky, uh, my parents and my wife's parents get along splendidly. That isn't always the case, but uh, they're actually making the trip separately. But we're all going to Maine and. My parents, myself, I'm an only child. My wife's 
parents and her brother were doing a combined Thanksgiving dinner, which I'm actually quite looking forward to. But I, I, going back to what you said, you know, we used to do a big family thing on my father's side of the family, and there were 14, 15 people. Um, my grandmother, who was the matriarch of the family, when she passed in 95, that was pretty much the last Thanksgiving we had, because once she passed, the family immediately splintered. And that was, yeah. that was the end of the gatherings at that point. So I can understand how you how you feel like you know there there's a finite number of these left. So with all those people, uh, do you cook more than one turkey? Are there two turkeys? No, just one. But it's like a twenty five pounder. But then, how do you make sure you get one of the legs if you're? I just call dibs. <laughs> but. My mom, my father gets one, and I get one. That must surprisingly nobody else really um, tries to lay claim. Nobody else really seems to. I care. was going to say that must make your older brother very happy if you're. He prefer he prefers the white meat. I'm, so there's no, no there's no conflict. I've met your brother many times. I'm not at all surprised at that, at all. All right, fair enough. So light meat or dark meat? Uh, any unusual food ingredients at your Thanksgiving table? Any unusual things that don't normally appear? You know, my parents used to put out a pickle and olive plate, which you don't always see. It was a little bit of the Italian side mm. of, a, of us coming out. But anything out of the ordinary? No, I don't think anything out of the ordinary. But, um, you know, my, some of my favorites include uh, like a seven-layer sweet potato type casserole type deal. With marshmallows? That's absolutely. I don't think they actually are in there this year, but oh, it's my favorite one that is the case. I know. Seriously. Uh, and then... Uh, for desserts, obviously, there is the traditional pumpkin pie, which is fantastic. But I also, no, no it's not. oh yeah, it's fantastic. No, it's You're a crazy person. It's so delicious. Uh, but also, more recently, Mrs. Manson has taken to making pecan pies, and I love myself a pecan pie. So, can I tell you something? Yeah, I had to think for a minute. I've never had pecan pie ever. It's so. Good. Do you get the chocolate one? I know they have like chocolate pecan pies and regular ones. Is this a chocolate pecan pie or a regular uh, one? She makes a regular one. And it's uh, also we've good. considered making the chocolate one, but yeah, no, the regular one is just delicious. I'd be more inclined sweet. to try a chocolate one. What makes it sweet? Um, well, the pecans, as well as the major other ingredient which holds the pecans together, which would be caro syrup. Ah, that is pretty good. All right, I might have to try that. I know there is going to be my my dad and my wife vie for who makes the best cookies in the family, um, but since I was raised on my dad's cookies, he he wins. So he's bringing a platter only when frozen. Yes, exactly. I see you. You know how this works. You you. Um, I lived with you for a you, while. You did. That's true. Uh, First time you pulled a cookie out of the freezer, I thought you were a crazy person. But there's merit. I give yes. it to you. So he's bringing a platter of those. So I don't even think they're going to make it into the house. I'm just going to hide them somewhere in the garage and just sneak out every five <laughs> minutes like I need a fix of something. Um, so, all right. So that settles it. I hope you have a happy holiday, Doc, neighborhood. We're not wrapping up the show. I just want to wish everyone a happy holiday out there. Hope it was safe and festive and full of gratitude. Uh, are you thankful for the Divas Division? Doc, are you thankful? Uh, which Divas Division? Well, let's. Well, NXT well, or WWE? The NXT, what? NXT. I call the Women's Division because that's oh, okay. the women's title. I know they call them Divas, but that's wrong. And I'm not just talking about how in 
two and a half hours, we're going to have Bailey versus Eva Marie. Yeah, what a great match that's going to be. It's not going to be great at all, which is going to mean I'm going to love it. But yeah. I'm more talking about, you know, Charlotte and Paige had a match. Two matches, in fact. The one at Survivor Series was okay. Yeah. And the one on Raw I thought was fantastic. I actually watched the one from Raw. I didn't watch the Survivor Series one. I watched the one from Raw, and I was impressed. I've always, I, I think, obviously... I th- that was a physical match. I, I think Charlotte's a, a good champion. I think Paige is an excellent wrestler. Um, how long has she been dressing like Elvira? I don't think I would really call that Elvira. I'm, I'm but ref- she started using the push-up bra... Probably about six months ago, and that's probably the most and the and the ma- thing that makes her which is, and and, and that's me. where I made that's where I asked the question because between that and the fact that she's got like legitimate makeup on, this is supposed to be the anti diva. Where did that go? She's now just a diva who happens to wear black, and she's pale. Well, yeah, but where did where did the anti diva piece go? The anti diva no longer exists, but you know what? She's still an interesting character. I think she differentiates herself from the others rather nicely, True. both looks wise and in terms of her attitude. So, I mean, yeah, anti diva maybe not so much to the letter of the word, but again, I, I I do see distinctions between her, her emphasis on uh, uh, being a dominant physical force versus, say, the shtick that the Bellas have going for them. So so I, I still think there are meaningful differentiators there. Okay, that's fair. Um, so I wanted to bring this up because anytime Mick Foley's in the news, we usually like to talk about it because you're obviously a Mick Foley fan, Doc Manson. I have no idea what you're talking about. We've both seen, we went and saw Mick Foley live just last... That was my second time. Just last year, your second live. time, my first. Um... He took to his Facebook page, I believe, and wrote about uh, his dissatisfaction with the company, sp- speaking specifically about the Divas division. Um, and t- so, um, but he was also talking a bit about, um, I think, in general with the with the uh, the main event scene as well. If I recall, he was talking about what's going on with Sheamus a little bit. And I just want to you know, throw this back at Jonathan Coachman because uh, Mick Foley on you know on his blog there he was extremely critical of the current product. And if you want to talk about you know fans who have never taken a bump complaining, well, what do you have to say to Mick Foley? Because if anybody's taken a bump in this business, it's Mick Foley undeniably. And when you got him going out there and saying that he's not sure whether or not he's a continued fan at this stage, given what's being presented to him on a weekly basis, well, I think John the Coachman's uh, little argument there falls apart. At least what I know about his argument, because again, I didn't actually hear it. So, um, I'm not sure that you can really say that Mick Foley took a lot of bumps. I'm not sure how many bumps he really took. Yeah, maybe he got thrown off that cage, but he landed on a table, and there might have been like a little mattress in there or something. Is that your internet snark voice, or is that your Coachman voice? That's my internet snark voice. That's my, you know... Snarf, snarf, snarf. Oh, Thundercats. So, I, I, I was just, that was just my dumb pretend to be smart wrestling fan when you know nothing and started watching in 2008. Um, <laughs> and haven't watched any WWE network because you don't care about wrestling history. You're only concerned with the here and now. Um, 
I, so Mick Foley did say he's he's in danger of not be, no longer becoming a WWE fan, and I missed the Sheamus piece, but he took them to task for Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch and how they only got four minutes on Raw to have their match. Uh, do you agree with that? I may be confusing the Sheamus. He's thing done it multiple times. He's says. he's he's very quickly becoming, and I don't want to put him in the same sentence as CM Punk, but I'm going to. He's very quickly becoming just the guy who only shows up to talk about what's wrong. And that's what I take issue with with any fan. If all you're going to talk about is what's wrong, I I have a problem with that. Tell me what you liked. You know, yes. Did Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch only have four minutes? Yes. Is that unfortunate? Sure. To quote... McFoley. Okay, good. Uh, Let's get some. Eventually, people get tired of finding out that the WWE superstars that they have supported with their cheers, their signs, their purchases, their follows, and their likes aren't real superstars. And, little by little, those fans lose interest in WWE, find other interests, and become former WWE fans. I am one of those people on the verge of becoming a former fan. I'm tired of being told through Raw, SmackDown, and pay-per-views that WWE superstars that I have rooted for... From Ziggler to Cesaro to Kevin Owens aren't top stars, no matter how strongly crowd reaction seems to disagree. I'm tired of NXT stars getting their big break in WWE just to be treated like jokes. So that's what he said. Okay. First of all, is he wrong? No. There is a problem when the fans are telling you, we want Sasha, we want Sasha, we want Sasha, and you don't deliver. That is, in some ways, a problem. Do I think Mick Foley needed to publicly go out and say that and not add some piece of but there? You know, was that a completely negative thing? Yeah. But is he wrong? No, I will say that. What are your thoughts on the whole the whole thing? Because he, he talked about how at one point Sasha and Becky in NXT had a 20-minute match and it was great. Then they had a four-minute match and it was they didn't get the chance to tell their stories. So what are you thinking about that? Yeah, he goes on to talk about that as well. Um, you know, and he says he will be watching Raw on Monday. Um, and maybe they'll just give him just enough to remind him of why he loves wrestling. Um, you know, just enough to keep him coming back. And I think that's what all WWE fans are going through. But based on what we've had this discussion, Paige and Charlotte had a very good match. Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose had a very good match. Roman Reigns and Rusev, that main event, was a very good match. And you want to talk to most internet fans, and they're going to gloss over all that and tell you about how Oh, Sheamus is the champion, he doesn't have any real heel heat, and where was our heel turn, and why haven't we gotten Sasha Banks yet? They ignore all of the good stuff. And that's... To focus on what they're dissatisfied And with. that's part of what this... And, and I don't follow Mick Foley religiously, so perhaps he's written about how great such and such a thing was, and I've missed it. But when I see him pop up on Twitter, it's because... He's talking about this. I'm pretty sure I unfollowed him at one point because I spent so much time hearing about all of the things that he didn't like about professional wrestling. And again, Mick Foley, you're not listening. And I have to tell you, this is someone who paid for your autograph and went to see your show and would go see it again if you come back around this way to New England. If you're going to focus on the things you don't like in wrestling, in WWE, 
Stop watching. Watch New Japan. Watch Lucha Underground. As Doc Manson said, find your happy or be happy or whatever you said. Find the stuff you like and stick with it. Now that said, he's dissatisfied because he cares deeply. Well, obviously. And you can't you can't criticize that. You can't question that. He obviously cares deeply. He has literally given his body for this sport. It's entertainment. For this company. And for this company. But he was giving his body for WCW too, just not as... Well, that's true. But, and for ECW. And for Japan. So he's given his body and his life in many ways for this. So, does he have every right to criticize? Yes. Jonathan Coachman says yes. In fact, more right than most. Do I, do I hold his criticism above others? Well, he took some bumps, so Jonathan Coachman says yes. But that doesn't matter to me. I want to hear from. <laughs> I want to hear from. So you're saying that Jonathan Coachman's opinion doesn't matter to you? I'm saying that in that instance, Jonathan Coachman's statement that you have to take bumps to be able to criticize. And again, we're taking this. Maybe we may be taking this out of context. We have no idea. <laughs> we are the uninformed podcast. I'm okay with that. Absolutely. Um, I refuse to fact check. Know, do I care what Mick Foley says because he's devoted his life to this? Yes. And he's right. There is there is a problem when Cesaro seems to be getting all of this fan love and doesn't get... But again, we, WWE can't look at the crowd and say, oh, they like Cesaro tonight, so Cesaro better win the title. Oh, they like Dean Ambrose tonight, yeah, so Dean Ambrose you know, better win time, the title. At the same time, what they're doing right now is they're saying, oh, the crowd doesn't care about Roman Reigns, or at least a portion of it. Let's just keep giving them that. Let's just keep giving them that. You know, yeah, being overly responsive to the crowd isn't necessarily a good thing, but ignoring the crowd and just doing what you want is just as equally bad and wrong. But at the same point, the crowd is being very fickle. They booed Roman Reigns walking into that match with Alberto Del Rio, and I submit that they did so because they knew he was going to win. And then they chanted, this is awesome, during the match. So you obviously don't hate Roman Reigns. You enjoy him as a wrestler. You think he can be a fine wrestler. You just don't like the fact that he is, again, just like he was at the Royal Rumble 2015. As soon as Daniel Bryan got eliminated, you knew Roman Reigns was going to win. Rusev would have been the most popular wrestler in WWE in January had he eliminated Roman Reigns and won the Royal Rumble. People would have loved him because he would have bucked the the obvious trend. So, but it's not that they don't like Roman Reigns. They do like Roman Reigns. They just wish there were some other people in that main event scene to make it more interesting. But we're now we're talking in circles. We've already had this yes, conversation. So I don't want to be that kind of podcast. So we talked about... The tag teams, we talked about the tournament, we talked about the Divas, we talked about Bray Wyatt. Is there anything in WWE itself, because we haven't seen NXT yet, so there can't be a lot we can talk about there. Um, we could talk about Asuka for a while. Sure we could. She needs to wrestle every week. Yeah, huh? Yes! Or whatever that was. Yeah. So you did see that? You I did. That I did see that. I don't like the mask. I'm fine with it. It's a nice prop. Okay. It gives her something. But she is her facial expressions are so good. Why would you cover that up? In all fairness, she barely wears the True. mask. True. True. So. True. And yeah. and and there but is yeah. there is the 
in many in the same way that you know when uh, I'm I'm going to use a, the Undertaker raises the lights. There's that moment where she's about to take the mask off, and you're like, oh, here it comes. So yeah, 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 I'll, the, I'll go with that. Here's a circumstance. So let's have this NXT conversation, um, and let's try not to be super negative about it, even though he's a guy that neither of us are huge fans of. Uh, the The people of the New Age Insiders make fun of this. Are you talking about Finn Balor? Of course. The people of the New Age Insiders talk about this all the time because on Twitter, a lot of people, it's become a running joke now, but it was serious before, really thought the solution to all of WWE's problems were to just promote Finn Balor. Finn, Bal- Finn Balor should be the guy to help even the odds for the or for the Brothers of Destruction. Finn Balor should have been a, a surprise entrant into the w- World Heavyweight Championship tournament. That's what should have happened. Why? Finn Balor should have been the guy to you know insert this here. You know. All right, stop right there. This is crazy talk. Finn Balor is an extremely talented wrestler, but in terms of personality. To me, he's no more over than Zack Ryder. But why is it that people are so... Is it because we know what he did? Is it because we know what Prince Devitt yes. did? And uh-huh. and we just believe that if you give him the chance, because there's nobody in wrestling history who was great on the independent scene or great in another promotion who came to World Wrestling Federation and totally stunk on the main roster... Like why? Why are we assuming that he is going to be so good when in NXT he is? I submit, not so good. All the talent in the world. Not hating on Finn Balor. Not hating on Fergal Devitt necessarily. Let me make that distinction. Fergal Devitt, great wrestler, probably could be top babyface or heel in a company. Finn Balor, the character. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't disagree. I, I don't understand why anybody thinks that he is a potential savior of anything when we have seen so little from him. He's a great wrestler, but you know what? We have a lot of great wrestlers on the main roster. Sorry. Cesaro's injured right now, but he he is a great wrestler. Seth Rollins, great wrestler, injured. But, you know, uh, Kevin Owens, he's still around. He's a great wrestler. Tyler Breeze, a great wrestler. Dolph Ziggler, a great wrestler. Um, we've got tons of great Fandango, wrestlers. Fandango, pretty good wrestler. Stardust, great wrestler. Goldust, great wrestler. I have a sneaking suspicion if you're in WWE... Neville, great wrestler. If you're in mm-hmm. WWE, at one time or another, you either had a great look or a, you were a great wrestler. So... It's you know he's not that great that the same people who say they should sign AJ Styles and immediately promote him to the main roster he shouldn't spend any time in NXT AJ Styles will solve all of WWE's problems if he- AJ Styles has zero personality and is extremely difficult to like on an emotional level when he just goes out there and he does the phenomenal thing oh yeah it's real easy to love him for his physical performance. But the dude's not a talker. All the stuff he's doing right now, Bullet Club, I am only aware of it tangentially, and I think that stuff probably is working for him relatively well. But, I mean, I watched that guy for 10 years in TNA, and while I loved his X Division runs, I loved a lot of the stuff he was involved in physically, as a character, AJ Styles is pretty one-note. When I watched him in TNA, like you said, awesome wrestler. His character was standing in the ring and taking the hood off of his vest. 
Uh-huh. And then it ended. And he had a great little thing with Christopher Daniels because they're legitimately best friends and you could play on that. But I didn't see anything out of him that was... He had a great heel run when he was being mentored by Ric Flair. But, yeah, you didn't see that because you weren't I just TNA I just gave time. him a very... I, I would seem to recall Ric Flair being in TNA, but what? Okay. And they did a kind of a four horsemen thing. Okay. I forget who the other members were, but AJ Styles was at the leader was like at the leader of that pack. He was clearly under the wing of the Nature Boy, and watching him try to be that player sort of heel character, shades of cowardice, like he was bad. Are you referring to Fortune? Yes, that is. I had to look it up. AJ Styles, James Storm, Kazarian, Robert Roode, and then would later include Daniels, Douglas Williams, and Matt Morgan. I like all of those wrestlers. So, again, please, WWE, would you buy TNA so you can put it all on the network and I'll have something else, a new quest, because I got 58 of them now, a new quest of something to watch, because I'm sure I would love the wrestling in TNA. Absolutely. All right, so... Let's get back to Finn Balor here because I, we're going to get a lot of hate for this, and that's fine. I Finn Balor has done nothing, and they talked about this on NAI Pod. So if you're going to yell at me, yell at Jason, yell at Doctor, yell at Liam too. Um, who is he as a character? What can you tell me about him? You can tell me a lot about Fergal Devitt. What can you tell me about Finn Balor besides that? Every so often, he paints his face. He wears a leather jacket. And sometimes the demon comes out. Every so often he paints his face, and now he wears a leather jacket. But even that, and I like that. The second he walked out with a leather jacket and didn't do... And I don't understand why, when he's not in the demon paint, why he still does the pose and the raising his arms up to the music. I thought that was a demon thing. You should have different theme music for the demon and for you. But that's just me. Um... So I thought the leather jacket was great. He came out with the leather jacket. He had a little bit of a cocky air one time on NXT. And immediately I was like, oh, who's this? This is interesting to me. And now he's coming out with it. Why, hello there. Not, well, no, not quite like that. But <laughs> now he's coming out with you know a, just a T-shirt on. And he's yelling at Samoa Joe. B- besides the fact that he attacked him. I-, I don't know why. Like, I know why Samoa Joe attacked him. I have at least that rationale, but I know nothing about Finn Balor. And the problem with NXT, one of the problems with NXT, is when you're a 60-minute show once a week, Finn Balor doesn't get the chance to wrestle every week. So I, I don't even have that to rely on. You know, you're not a fan of Tyler Breeze right now. We've talked about that. You, you're not wild about what he's done in WWE so far, but at least he's wrestling every week. And he week. lost on Monday night. But at least he's wrestling every week. I'm hoping he's in the Intercontinental title scene. That tag team match from Raw, we're jumping all over the place here, but that's okay. Uh, That tag team match on Raw made it seem like we were seeing, that was the Intercontinental title picture. It was Ambrose, Ziggler, Owens, Breeze. I'm hoping that continues. I don't know. Sure. I haven't read the SmackDown spoilers this week, so I don't know. I'm guessing we're going to see Ambrose versus Owens again. I'm hoping it's all four of them. You know, Ambrose versus Owens is something you can prolong. That could get you to... I think we're going to see that because they're still, for some reason, fixating on a Ziggler-Breeze feud that's limited. Um, I don't know. That, that that story, you know, was all right at first. The whole spurned Summer Rae thing, making something out of the the, 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 the entrails love of the love rhombus. But 
I mean, since then, I don't understand why they continue to have a beef with Ziggler. It doesn't. I and and I and I've enjoyed it. The whole thing. There was something on SmackDown. Ziggler came out, kind of invaded the VIP lounge. Not that there was any reason for the VIP lounge to be there, but he invaded it. He kind of was sipping the drinks. He attacked Breeze after the match. I liked that. I assumed they were going to team up, like Ziggler was going to turn heel and they were going to team up as some beautiful people type stable. That hasn't happened, but I, I just hope they do. And so I like what they're doing with Tyler Breeze, but, and because I get to see him every week, at least I learn something more about him. Finn Balor doesn't show up every week on NXT, so I, I find myself wanting when it comes to him. I want to see something more from him. You know, and if. In NXT London, he's revealed as the guy who attacks Hideo Itami and he turns heel. I'm instantly more interested. But I kind of feel like they're they're losing their window on that though. It's possible. Can anybody even remember that Hideo Itami was attacked? Like that is such a distant memory because he's been out for so long. That's true. I, That's I true. Know. But I, I, I don't understand why we look at guys like him or guys like AJ Styles as this miracle cure that's going to fix everything wrong with WWE when more than likely you're going to wind up, as soon as Finn Balor gets to the main roster, people are going to go from, oh, Finn's going to save us, Finn's going to be the hero, to, oh my god, what are they doing with Finn Balor and it's terrible. You're Again, it's, I don't remember exactly what it was. Oh, we we are we keep waiting for Bray Wyatt to get over that hump and maybe it's on us for expecting it so maybe it's going to be on us to expect that Finn Balor is going to revolutionize world wrestling entertainment maybe he will but I think it's folly for us to hold Finn Balor in such high esteem when I think it's folly to hold anyone to that high standard now I think I think you're right I think you're right so I want to see more from Finn Balor. I haven't given up hope on him. I don't want to see the demon again for a while. But I'd like to see Finn Balor do more than just... And again, it, I think it comes down... My issue is there's just not enough time for NXT to tell really good stories. And so maybe yeah. that's it. I said this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, NXT needs to be at least two hours. I, 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 I would be happy with an hour and a half. You know, sure. then you, we need yeah, more. An hour and a half a week. Cut the tapings down from four to two. The fact that I don't see Oscar on my television every week is a damn crime, and we need to get past this. I get on it, WWE. I agree. All right, one final topic here before we head off into that good night. Uh, we just got another main event swerve at main event swerve. The hashtag Reality Man uh, asks us how. Do you see Sami Zayn coming back? And he said to the main roster, but I'm going to change it to the world of wrestling. Sami Zayn's been out for a while, five, six months now, I think. Uh, All signs point to him making some sort of appearance in London. We're not sure why, but that's the rumor that he's going to be at the NXT event in London and ideally should be back in the next few months. How do you how do you see his return, and how would you like to see his return? Uh, he probably just returns to NXT, and he's just a dude in there for a while. How do I want to see him return? Straight to the main roster, feuding with Kevin Owens. This is the guy who put him on the sidelines, tell that story, form of best friends. Kevin Owens has no regard for him, and complete disregard for his physical safety. Uh, puts him out of 
out of uh, out out of work for several months, and we go instantly into a credible mid card feud mm-hmm. with two great talents and propelling each of them to new heights. That's what I want mm-hmm. to see. I don't think I'm going to get it because there's, perfect- no, there's no basis. On the main roster. None of the audience who just watches WWE, nobody knows who Sami Zayn is. None of them have any context. They don't know the relationship between Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. So them instantly going to the main roster and telling that story actually doesn't make sense. I want to see that, knowing what I know about Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens from NXT, but the mainstream audience really doesn't know that, Mm -hmm. so it makes that actually increasingly unlikely. In a perfect world, Royal Rumble. Kevin Owens is one of the final four or five guys. And they haven't done, you know, it, they're down to like wrestler number 29 has just entered the ring. Kevin Owens has eliminated a bunch of people, has run roughshod, has talked about his year in how 2015 was the year of Kevin Owens because he arrived in NXT, he took out, you know, his best friend, he does all of this, then he makes it up there, he beats John Cena, he beats everybody. And the wrestler who appears at number 30 is Sami Zayn, who charges the ring, dives on Owens, the two of them eliminate each other, you know, maybe Sami Zayn throws Kevin Owens over the top rope, then does his suicide dive out, eliminating himself to continue beating on Kevin Owens. And WrestleMania, you have Owens versus Zayn, part one in its WWE continuity. That, to me, is your perfect world. You bring up a very valid point. The majority of wrestling fans are going to see Sami Zayn and go, oh, is he the guy that wrestled John Cena that one time? Or what might honestly happen is people are going to see Sami Zayn and go, man, Heath Slater looks different. Uh Uh-huh. You're not wrong. More likely they're going to say, who? Why is there ska playing? But I do think, and I fear this because... The the Owens story has such potential to just that just his feud with Owens gets him to the main roster and gets him over. But I do think he goes back to NXT and he's there for. I mean, we're talking about timelines with him potentially returning at London, and you're talking about a timeline that puts him returning in January. He's making that's a two month. He's difference. making an appearance in London, uh, uh, and and maybe he's going to give us an update on his health. But he's supposed to be at the show. He's not going to wrestle at the, as far as I know. But Hey guys, uh, so as it turns out, I'm not physically cleared to wrestle and probably never will be again, so I'll be taking over his color commentary on NXT for Corey Graves. Also, Corey Graves is fired. No, they'd fire, think they'd fire Byron out. Saxton first. Well, fair They bring Corey Graves up to take his place, because I like Corey Graves. Um, I actually like Corey Graves, too. So, so I, I think... Sami Zayn is destined for NXT to get the ring rust, to get back into ring shape. Uh, but I think you're missing an opportunity there. But Doc is right. Most fans will go, who? And and that's a shame. So I think we've covered just about everything there is to cover. We haven't seen NXT. SmackDown's coming up. TLC's up there. You know, with only one match is announced. But that's coming down the pike. Uh, anything else there, Doc? Final thoughts time here on DDT Wrestling. Uh, anything Thanksgiving-related? Any you want to share what you're thankful for? Uh, any thoughts on wrestling? Any- yeah, I mean, so here's a question for you. Sure. I'll, I'll answer this myself, but uh, you first. Uh, so in the world of wrestling, yeah. what are you most thankful for right now? In the spirit of the holiday. DC. I, I'm going to get the corny answer out of the way. I'm thankful for the neighborhood. 
If if <laughs> it weren't for Twitter, I don't know that I'd still be watching. I think I'd be watching, you know, old pay-per-views. I don't know that I'd watch live WWE regularly. Having this ability to connect with fans and thanks to New Age Insiders and to you, Doc, to be able to do this podcast, to be able to write, to to create original thoughts and ideas or blatantly steal them from other people. Uh that's that's so, something So I ask I ask you to name something in the product that you are thankful for and you turn this into a self-serving advertisement for yourself. I didn't hear the product. I am thank- nah. I am thankful for the mid card. I am thankful for Bodal. I mean, you'd have to be right because it's all mid card. I am thank well, then I'm thankful for the lower mid card. I'm thankful for <laughs> Bo Dallas, The Miz, Goldust, Stardust, uh, Neville. Uh, not Ryback. I'm not thankful for Ryback at all. Please go away. I'm thankful He's for. So good. I'm thankful for Titus O'Neil. I'm thankful for those guys because, and I think I figured it out. Roman Reigns is on my TV screen five times a night. I get sick of the main event guys who are on my screen five times a night. You've got to wait for that Titus O'Neil Stardust random in the back. Titus invades his little sanctuary segment. You've got to wait for Goldust to make his return on the pre-show and continue to be Benjamin Button because every time he shows up, he looks younger than he did the time before. You, you, you've got to, it makes it more special when you, these guys only appear for a brief period. You know, I, I didn't enjoy the Heath Slater segment, but at least it was like, hey, I know that guy. And now Ryback <laughs> ate him. Well, that's it. Yeah. So that's that to me is what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the talents who are still working to get to that main event spot. So I turn it to you, Doc Manson, at Doc Manson. What are you thankful for this holiday season in WWE? Don't ask me. Ask Asuka. That's it. It's, has, no, has, has, also, your, I, has your I, summer jam transitioned into fall? Because Asuka um, and that Shut Up and Dance With Me song was your summer jam. Uh, has it transitioned into the, the autumn? Is she your autumn uh, jam as well? We'll have to wait and see, I guess. Uh, the only other thing, the thing I'm most thankful for from Raw this week would have to be uh, the JBL El Torito oh Tex-Mex mashup. What was I, going uh, on? I I had to rewind it to figure out what was happening. Was it an advertisement well, I, for something? I Yeah, I think it was like Hardee's and Carl Jr. They have a Tex-Mex burger oh or something. God. It was... I was not expecting it, and I honestly rewound it, and I watched it a couple of times because it was so ridiculously stupid. And again, Wrestle Silly Man, it's always my favorite thing. I know it was an advertisement. It was not even a real thing, but watching El Torito coming out with that little hat on and dancing around... Um, it was it was just a moment of pure joy. All right there, my friends. We hope that you are thankful for the last 97 minutes or so that you've spent with us on DDT Wrestling. Maybe not. I'm not sure. So uh, we invite you, ddtwrestling at gmail.com. We had no emails this week, and we blame you, neighborhood. Absolutely. As I've always said, everybody in the neighborhood is my friend. You want to be my best friend, you got to send me an email. An email. DDT Wrestling at gmail.com. What, what? An email. We will read it on the show. We will get your topics heard. I want to thank everyone who sent us a topic on Twitter. Uh, Reality Man. Let me go through here. Reality Man. I want to thank you. I want to thank Jonathan Coachman for contributing. I do not want to thank Jonathan Coachman. For contributing to DDT Wrestling. I want to thank PJ. I want to thank 
uh, Heeltown USA, Flashcast, all of you out there helped make this show, I would say, one of the, the eight or nine best ever. If we're going with at least, DDT, I at think least. this is DDT seven. So this is at least one of the eight or nine best ever shows. So indeed, for my friend Doc Manson, and for myself, he's at Doc Manson. I'm DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI. I want to wish you a happy November holiday season, and until we meet again, probably in December, we'll see you around the neighborhood. I'd also like to leave you with one last thought: the gobbledygooker. We out.